This episode was a really tough one to research, and it was one that we previously said that we would never do. However, many of you have requested it, and honestly, this story needs to be told so that those who are harmed by this monster of a man and his accomplices don't end up forgotten. It's very easy in the Western world to assume that these sort of things don't happen, and quite often we get comments from people claiming that stories like these are myths, but unfortunately, they aren't myths. They are very real. And our most vulnerable are at risk when we pretend these things don't exist. With this in mind, this episode might be troublesome for some viewers. It contains themes of SA and extreme harm inflicted upon individuals under the age of 18. Unfortunately, due to YouTube censorship, some of the words used to describe the minors in question, as well as the depraved acts they went through, had to be changed. We hope you understand. Peter Scully was born on January 13, 1963, in the Australian city of Melbourne, along the country's southern coast in the state of Victoria. As a young man, Scully claimed that he was harmed by a priest. As a grown man, Scully appeared to live a fairly normal life to those that knew him. He was married, he had two children, and he settled down in Nari Warren, a suburb of Melbourne, located about 22 miles southeast of the city's central business district. But after some time, something snapped inside of Scully. His neighbors began to think of him as a dodgy character, and he eventually left his family and moved away to the city. Although the dissolution of a marriage can be rather difficult for some, Scully's family was much better off as he was headed down an extremely dark path. While in Melbourne, Scully became a career criminal. He became involved with a property scheme that cost investors over $2.68 million. An investigation by the Australian Securities and Investments Commission from 2009 found that Scully was involved in 117 fraud and deception offenses relating to real estate scams. Scully also operated as an unlicensed online companion service where he offered up his teenage Malaysian girlfriend for parties. Scully was driven by one thing. And that thing was money. And to get it, nothing was off the table. To avoid prosecution, Scully fled Australia to Cagayan de Oro on the island of Mindanao in the Philippines, where this money-making scheme took a far more sinister turn. In his new home, Scully preyed on the weak and vulnerable, operating a production company called No Limits Fun, which would livestream disgusting videos of individuals under the age of 18 being severely harmed and subjected to S.A. so that deranged adults could consume this material via a pay-per-view type system on the dark web. And just as disturbing is the fact that Scully had many, many customers, some paying as much as $10,000 to view his repulsive content. Even more sickening was the fact that some of the minors featured were as young as 18 months old. And in one instance, Scully strangled an 11-year-old girl known only as Cindy with a rope and buried her remains underneath his rented home after forcing her to dig her own grave. Allegedly, he told her that she was digging her own grave while she was doing it. The individuals featured in his streams were obtained on the false promises to their parents of food and education. The families were often impoverished, and Scully was their savior. Scully also reeled in two female accomplices, a woman by the name of Carme Ann Alvarez, as well as Lysel Margallo, who was also trafficked herself. 
both women not only helped him obtain the subjects of his live streams, but also appeared in said videos themselves. Meanwhile, another Australian man, 22-year-old Matthew David Graham, who went by the pseudonym Lux, became enthralled with Peter Scully's videos. Lux operated one of the dark web's most infamous sites, Hurt to the Core, where sick individuals could freely share content such as the kind Scully produced. During this time, Graham took one of Scully's most notorious videos, Daisy's Destruction, and put it up on his site, amplifying its reach worldwide. This multi-part video was made in 2012 and was so extreme that for some time, law enforcement regarded it as an urban legend. It features three minors being severely harmed and subjected to essay by Scully, Margallo, and Alvarez, with the bulk of the depraved acts being carried out by the women at Scully's urging. In one scene, the assailants throw hot wax onto their bodies. In another, a distressed person is hung upside down and beaten. Law enforcement quickly took note of this disturbing video, and because it seemed to include someone speaking a few words in Dutch, it drew the attention of the Dutch police. Although it was determined that the person in the video was not speaking Dutch and simply had a strong Australian accent, the Dutch police had collected so much evidence that they continued to remain on the case. Subsequently, an international manhunt for those responsible for the video's production was launched. Scully was tracked to Malay Balay City in the Philippines and was arrested on February 20, 2015. Investigators had six warrants for his arrest, all relating to the abduction and SA of the individuals featured in Daisy's destruction. Additionally, Scully had also faced 75 charges with relation to the production of his films, including homicide. During the search for Scully, law enforcement tracked down two cousins featured in the video, known as Liza, though some sources list her as Queenie, and Daisy. Both were alive despite having severe physical injuries. The two had survived the ordeal due to Alvarez taking pity on them and freeing them from their captivity, but unfortunately due to the damage done to Daisy, doctors believe she'll never be able to bear children. Authorities were also able to recover Cindy's remains, aided by Margallo, who initially cooperated with authorities. By the time Scully was arrested, Graham, also known as Lux, had been caught too. He was sentenced to a mere 15 years in prison, even though a judge described his crimes as pure evil. But Scully's trial was not without complication, as a mysterious fire ripped through an evidence room that contained Scully's videos. The fire destroyed evidence including hardware, memory cards, a camera, and a chain that was allegedly used by Scully. It is rumored that Scully may have bribed one of the police officers in order to start the fire. However, the case against him was strong enough without that evidence. Prosecutor Ruby Molinog noted that the videos were the most devastating thing she'd ever seen, that she cried when she was watching them, and that she felt like crying even discussing them. Scully claimed to be remorseful for what he had done, but his empty words simply couldn't back up his deplorable acts. His further actions proved just that. By pleading not guilty, Scully forced at least 10 of the people featured in his twisted films to testify and relive their hellish experiences. It should be noted that his defense was that he was just a passive participant, and it was his accomplices who were the masterminds. That's what he was claiming. Scully also likely continued to operate his dark web empire behind bars, 
exchanging phone calls and text messages with Margallo before she was finally arrested. Also arrested for their involvement in the recruitment and production of the videos were a German man named Christian Rusch, Filipinos Alexander Lau, Althea Chia, and Maria Dorothea Chiichia, and Brazilian Haniel Caetano de Oliveira. Scully was sentenced to life in prison in June of 2018 and is currently being held at the Cagayan de Oro City Jail. Scully has been described as a difficult prisoner who demands special privileges such as made-to-order meals and a cell phone. Carmayan Alvarez was also sentenced to life in prison, and both were made to pay restitution of 5 million pesos, which equates to 93,700 in USD. Although capital punishment has been abolished in the Philippines since 2006, some prosecutors supported its reintroduction due to the severity of Scully's crimes. Now, my understanding from the Cagayan de Oro City Jail, it was originally intended to house about 300 inmates. It currently houses somewhere around 1,800, and Scully's sister has been advocated that he is treated poorly because he is being stored there. I have a hard time feeling sympathy for him or for her. Liza Margallo evaded police for a year. She masqueraded as Shannon Carpio, the purported wife of a French software millionaire, and had been living in a condo in Cebu City. On her Shannon Carpio Facebook page, Margallo posted glamorous photographs of herself heavily made up in revealing clothing, in a swimsuit on a beach, and out with her newfound gym friends. According to friends and acquaintances, she was a nice girl with an outgoing, sweet, and innocent personality. She would often foot the bill and would throw parties. We've done countless searches looking for possible sentences for Margallo, but the closest we could find was a 2017 article in The Sun that a verdict has yet to be rendered. Daisy's destruction made headlines once more in 2021 after TLC reality show star Josh Duggar was arrested and charged with downloading illicit material involving individuals under the age of 18 while at work. A forensic analysis of his computer showed various searches and torrent downloads relating to Daisy's destruction, but it is not known if he actually viewed the film. Scully hasn't given much in the way of interviews, though he did do one with Tara Brown on 60 Minutes. It's just going to make you mad to watch. In my opinion, Like it just made me frustrated to watch it and disgusted. It's on YouTube if you want to see it. He did mention about how he's writing a journal where he plans to tell all and reflect on his feelings on what he did, but that was in 2015, so who knows if he's really going to do that or not. For those that weren't here for last week's episode, I want to quickly address sponsors in true crime. I know some people believe that true crime channels, podcasts, or even TV shows should have no sponsors because we're talking about horrific events. Please know that honoring those that have suffered is the utmost priority to us. We spend a minimum of 40 hours each week on every episode on top of our full-time jobs. Sponsors help us cover our hosting fees as well as tools we use to produce these episodes for you. This is no disrespect to those who have suffered. We want to keep bringing you the most thoroughly researched and highest quality content possible. With that said, I want to introduce the sponsor to this episode. We'll be back in a minute to continue the episode, as well as discuss what happened to Matthew David Graham, the man who helped Peter Scully achieve worldwide reach in his evil empire. 
This episode has been brought to you by Anna Luisa, who's offering our listeners an exclusive 20% off their entire collection. Anna Luisa is a jewelry brand with a simple but clear-cut idea that high-quality jewelry shouldn't cost the planet. Their metals are recycled whenever possible, and their gemstones are ethically sourced. Best of all, Anna Luisa is 100% carbon and water neutral, including their packaging. Anna Luisa offers fair pricing, with jewelry starting just at $39. Each piece is released in limited batches every Friday. Friday and are put through rigorous stress tests so that way you can wear your jewelry with confidence. Metals used are always safe, nickel-free, and hypoallergenic. My favorite piece is the Lev Silver Heart Necklace. It's simple yet classy and it looks great with both a casual outfit or a dressed up for a night out. And for me, I've been enjoying the mini huggy hoops and the Hannah Lee earrings in silver. Go to shop.analuisa.com misery. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Again, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash misery and enjoy 20% off the entire Ana Luisa website today. Thanks, and back to the episode. So earlier we mentioned Matthew David Graham, who ran the Hurt to the Core site. And I don't know about you, but I got to wondering, how does somebody this young become practically a kingpin of such an evil empire? Well, we did some digging, and here's what we found. So Matthew David Graham was just 18 years old when his life took this crazy turn. So he was in his final year at Epping Secondary College, and he was living with his family in South Morang, which is a suburb of Melbourne. So he had no criminal record and no particular behavior or academic issues whatsoever. He was heavily into playing World of Warcraft and exploring edgy and sometimes illegal posts on 4chan. Not everyone that plays World of Warcraft or goes to 4chan is into this type of stuff, let's be clear. Exactly, let's be clear because Yergi used to go to 4chan in the aughts and plays World of Warcraft. Then in October 2011, the hacking group Anonymous announced on 4chan they were launching cyber attacks on a large dark website that featured illegal content of people under the age of 18. Anonymous called it Operation Darknet, and this intrigued Graham. However, in their pursuit to bring down this evil, Anonymous inadvertently led Graham to the very people producing the type of content that he'd soon be featuring on his own website. So as he moved from high school to Latrobe University where he was studying nanotechnology, Graham was, from his bedroom at home, going on to become this dark domain kingpin. Additionally, Graham encouraged the abduction and subsequent homicide of a girl in Russia as well as the extreme harm of a girl who was both paralyzed and mute by her caretaker. His website, Hurt to the Core, attracted up to 400,000 hits a day, and this included people who posted images of themselves hurting their own kids. He was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder, depression, and anxiety. Graham claimed that he was disconnected from the suffering of those featured in the films he promoted. And again... Those folks who are diagnosed with these types of illnesses do not go on to be kingpins. This is done by evil people, and it's very unfortunate that he only got 15 years, as, in my opinion, he should have gotten life. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. If he's sitting here promoting a homicide and harm to people under the age of 18, he absolutely should have gotten life in prison. It is important to note that even though Scully and his accomplices were ultimately apprehended, these crimes did not begin, nor did they end with him. 
Human trafficking affects some 40 million people and is now one of the world's most lucrative organized crimes, generating more than $150 billion per year. Two-thirds of those affected are in East Asia and the Pacific. While Peter Scully being apprehended is in itself a victory, he's unfortunately a just one single head cut from this many-headed hydra. There is still much more work that has to be done in order to protect our most vulnerable and to finally bring this evil empire down for good. I feel it's important for everyone to look for the signs of trafficking. And we link down below to a page that's put out by the National Human Trafficking Hotline. I encourage everyone to read it because I think a lot of people are misinformed about the signs and things to look for because a lot of people, and we hear this all the time, we get comments about this all the time, People in America think that human trafficking doesn't happen here, and it absolutely does. So I'll just quickly go over types of people that may be vulnerable to trafficking. Anyone with an unstable living situation, people who are runaways or potentially going through the foster care system, people who are undocumented immigrants, people who are facing poverty or any sort of economic need. And believe it or not, people with substance use issues can be vulnerable to this too. So again, I highly encourage everyone to go there. It's at humantraffickinghotline.org. The link is down below. If you suspect anyone that is going through this right now, call 1-888-373-7888. We all have to do our part to end this where we see it. If you appreciate this video, know that we have put a lot of time and effort into it. All I'm asking in return is if you appreciate what we're doing to please hit that subscribe button if you're listening on YouTube. We also have a very wonderful group of people going that extra step to support us on Patreon, so I'll put up their names right now. I want to say welcome to four new patrons, Kristen, Jordan, Catherine, and Barbara. Also, special shout out to Levi, Melissa, Chaka, Holly, and Amelia, our highest tier Patreon supporters. There's their lovely pictures right now. There's Halls and Dolls, Holly's Mask Store. If you want access to the best quality masks we have ever worn, please go to Halls and Dolls Etsy below. That is in the description. And special shout out to Ken for making a contribution to our PayPal this month. If you too would like to support us on Patreon, help keep this show going, as well as get access to all of our secret episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash themiserymachine. The link for that will be down below. One last thank you to Anna Luisa who sponsored this episode. Again, if you want 20% off their entire inventory shop.analuisa.com slash misery to get 20% off but until next week we love you we love you bye, bye.